Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a, hi. What a beautiful truth communicated by that song, He Will Hold Me Fast. That is great uh, to remember as we go into um, a new year. Uh, so we're excited to share God's word with you this morning. Open to uh, Luke chapter 10, where we will be hanging out. Luke chapter 10. Um, before we get started, I'm going to give a short preface. We did just have a lock-in, a youth lock-in on Friday night, and I did not sleep for one hour of it, not a bit. So if I start speaking incomprehensible words, I'm not speaking in tongues, I'm just tired. So just want to clear that up. Before we dive in, let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking to bless our time. Father, you do hold us fast. That is the promise that you have been you have given to us, God. So let us rest in that promise this morning in a, in a world filled with anxiety and trouble and work. God, let us remember that you hold us fast. God, as we study your word, reveal yourself to us. Make the gospel new, refresh us, encourage us, challenge us, Father. Let the words that I speak not be my words, but yours. In the Son's name we pray. All God's people said, amen. So I was talking to Aaron Meadows this morning, because they just, he's just waving, because uh, they just got back from Disney World, and I was thinking about my first time I went to Disney World, and how exciting it was for me, because I grew up on Disney movies, and this was before, like, Marvel movies were Disney movies, and Star Wars movies were Disney movies, I mean, Disney movies, Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book, Aladdin, and none of this live-action stuff, cartoons, I was all about them. I, there are videos of me on VHS tapes, like acting out entire scenes from the Jungle Book, like singing the songs. I'm like, like Baloo, you know, is like scratching his back on a tree and I'm like acting it out and stuff. I loved it. I loved Disney growing up. Mike liked that. Mike saw like that. I loved Disney growing up. And so it was really exciting to me uh, when I got to go to Disney World. I was, I was so ready. I was so excited. And there was, not, uh, there was nothing I was more excited for when we went to Magic Kingdom, I remember the night uh, or the day we walked in and I saw Cinderella's castle, you know, right as you walk in, it's like, I'm here. Magic is real and I'm, I'm at the home of it. This is where it exists. Like, this is where magic happens. And, and it was huge. It was a big deal to me. And I was like, there was the, the fireworks show at night and I was so excited for the fireworks show. And this is no lie. I almost missed the fireworks show because I was on Haunted Mansion and it got stuck, it stopped, because a woman went into labor. That's not a joke. That's a true story. A woman went into labor on Haunted Mansion, so it stopped, and I almost missed the fireworks show. But we, so we get out, and I run. You know, me and my buddies, we run, and we, we sit on the grass in front of, of uh, Cinderella's Castle. And this was a, a fireworks show called, I think it was called Wishes. And uh, Tinkerbell is at the top of Cinderella's Castle, and she, like, zip lines. She flies all the way down. And then the moment happened. One single firework shoots over Cinderella's castle, like the logo before every Disney movie. And I was like, it's real. And I do not think I blinked for 20 solid minutes because I just sat there on the grass watching fireworks and like projections of like Disney movies and I was like, this is amazing. This is the best moment of my life. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't eat anything. I didn't eat any of my expensive food that I had bought. I didn't blink. I probably didn't breathe. I just sat there and watched. There is like actually a video of me, and it looks like I'm a statue. Because I'm like, 
just seriously, just fully immersed. This is like the biggest moment of my life. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to laugh, but it doesn't make the story any less true. You probably thought I was like a kid. I was 18 years old. when this. See, everyone laughs. I was a senior in high school when this happened, but I'd never been before. But I was so immersed. I cherished Disney so much. It was such an important piece of my life that when it came to experience it in real life, not just a movie, not just something I'm watching, but I was there where it happened. And I got to watch it, and I didn't look away. I didn't let anything else distract me from the magic that was Cinderella's castle. I was fully there. In our story today, we see um, a response to, uh, we see two different responses. And one is a little bit similar to me at Cinderella's castle. It's of unblinking, unyielding focus. And so this person is not just watching a, co- a corporation that manufactures entertainment, but she is rightly cherishing and knowing the very person of Jesus and seeking to know him. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, what the word of the Lord says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus comes to this town. He sent his disciples ahead of him, and he comes to this town, and he's welcomed uh, into the home of this woman named Martha, and she has a sister, and Martha is uh, very similar to us, and especially, I, I wish Bretta Sproul were here. Bretta, if you're watching online, I could see a lot of Bretta Sproul in Martha, serving, getting her house ready. I've seen her do this many times, right? And we're all like that. When people come to our house, we want to, like, make everything perfect for them. We want to make them feel welcome, and we want to make them feel at home, like you live here, right? So, uh, and that's a good thing. Martha, what, I, I, everyone hear this. What Martha does here is a good thing, serving the Lord, getting her house ready, getting everything in order, honoring Jesus with her work. But then we have an opposite uh, react, not an opposite reaction, but a different response to Jesus. So you have Martha who works and wants to honor them uh, with her work, and then the other, you have Mary, who's not focused on working for Jesus or, or, or serving Jesus, but rather she is focused on the person of Jesus. And she does two things. She sits at his feet and listens to his teaching. So both good responses. I think many of us uh, have a Martha mentality, especially when it comes to the new year. We think about our, we, we look back on our lives in the past year and we look forward and we see work that needs to be done. Facebook is feeding us ads about weight loss and about dieting. Uh, We want to read more. We want to exercise more. We want to learn new skills. We want to try something new. We want to do something that will improve our lives from last year going into the new year. We, we We try to commit ourselves to these goals and make these resolutions because we think they will make our lives better. We all tend to believe in that lie that if we work hard enough, then we can be happy. We'll be satisfied. Everything will be great. But I know, and I'm sure most of you know that those don't usually work out. And that's simply not the case. They're never enough 
to make us happy. Because even in the off chance that you keep your New Year's resolution, that in December you'll make another resolution, and then the next December you'll make another resolution, you'll make another resolution, and another resolution, year after year after year, and you'll never be satisfied. Because I think New Year's resolutions are, are actually a good thing. I think they're good, and I think they're helpful. Um, when when we, we want to change ourselves, we want to make something better, we want to better ourselves, I think that's a good thing. But the problem is when we think that is the thing that will satisfy us. That is the work we can do that will make us happy, that will give our souls peace. But the truth is we'll always fall short, and that we'll never be satisfied with ourselves. We'll never be good enough for ourselves. We can never be content and just rest in ourselves, even when it comes to spiritual things. I think there are good New Year's resolutions made when it comes to spiritual things. You know, Martha's doing good work when she's running around the house working. Hospitality, love of neighbor, that's good and that's godly, but her priorities are wrong. Her intention is good, but her priorities are disordered. So maybe you're sitting in here, I, I know I have this, and you think, I want to be closer to God. I want to have a deeper relationship with God this year. And so we begin to list off all these things that we're going to do to make our relationship with God better. We're going to read the Bible in a year. We're going to listen to this many sermons a week. We're going to go to church this many times a week. We're going to listen to this and not watch that. And we're going to do all these things. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my relationship with Jesus better. And that mentality is a lot like Martha. We start with the right motivations and we get to some good conclusions. Those are good action steps, but there's something in the middle that just doesn't click. It's because we're prioritizing the wrong things. It doesn't pan out, and we, we, we either feel just as close to God as we did before, or maybe because we failed all these tasks that we've laid out for ourselves, we feel like a failure. But what's missing? What's the piece that's missing? Martha was doing that exact thing. She's making a resolution. I'm going to make Jesus feel welcome. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him all the things that, uh, she, that he deserves. Those are good things. And then she says, so what can I do to honor him? What can I do to make him feel welcome, to make him feel honored? What is the work that I can do? And Martha's efforts are good, but they are not the best action that we see in the story because Martha skipped a step. She is working for Jesus without first knowing Jesus. Working for Jesus without first knowing Jesus. So Martha is trying to work, but on the other side we have Mary. Jesus comes in and comes to the house, and Mary, on the arrival of Jesus, plants herself at his feet. Like an 18-year-old Disney fanboy on the grass at Disney World, she's like right there, hanging on every word, just listening. The first, one of the first lessons I think that we can take from this text uh, in the style of Aaron Burr's advice to Alexander Hamilton is work less, listen more. Work less, listen more. So many times our motivations for Bible reading or for prayer or for fasting or for quiet times is driven by a want to please God, not to get to know him. When was the last time, honestly, think, think to yourself, uh, and I, I, did, I, had to, I had to reflect on this too, when was the last time you opened the Bible simply to hear the voice of your creator? Not to find an answer, not to look for a specific text, but just to say, I want to hear his voice. I want to hear 
what he said? Or what's the last time uh, you prayed not for something specific or for someone for specific or any specific purpose, but just to reinforce this relationship you have with Christ? God, I'm here. I can hear you. You can hear me. We're in communication. We have a relationship. For many of us, me included, I fear that that motivation is so rare. We're usually seeking an answer to a problem or alleviation from a dilemma we're having. We think of Jesus sometimes as so distant and so holy and so mighty that we need to do stuff. We need to do whatever we can do to make him happy. We have to tiptoe around him like he's this temperamental ruler who will cast us out if we make one wrong move. That's not the image we're given of Jesus in this story. That is not the person we see. Rather, he comes and he sits down and he begins speaking. And people are invited to listen and they sit and they listen and he celebrates those who come and merely listen. He says, this is the good portion. We need to be so enamored by the person of Jesus. We need to cherish, cherish Jesus so much that the sound of his voice pulls our entire focus. That not a phone, not a show, not a notification, not a, a question from someone can pull our eyes, can pull our ears from the voice of the Lord. His teaching causes us, like Mary, to listen uninterrupted. See, we have to love Jesus' work before we can work for Jesus. We don't work for Jesus' love. We have to love Jesus' work. We can't get to the next step of serving him, of honoring, of worshiping him until we know him and love him and cherish him. Because the most important way that we engage in a relationship with Jesus is not by doing the right things or by serving him, but it's by just listening to his teaching and hanging on his every word. Our desire, get this, our desire to work, to expand the kingdom, to love our neighbor, uh, to do all these things like Martha, these are all good things, but they are done in an overflow of love that is the result of a relationship with Jesus. We do these things not because we feel like we have to please him or honor him or worship him, but we do it because we love him and he deserves it. The early church father Augustine said it best uh, when he wrote this. He said, love God and do whatever you please. Isn't that freeing advice? Love God and do whatever you please. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, do whatever you please. Doesn't sound very, like, very smart advice. I want to do a lot of things that are not good things. But when you love God rightly, when you know Jesus, when you hang on his every word like Mary did, the other actions that you take in your life will be ordered rightly. Your priorities will be right. Your contentment will be found, not in the work that you do, but in the completed work of Jesus. And when you love him and your life is overflowing with love for him, then the things that you want to do are the things that he wants you to do. Love God and do whatever you please. So when I was an intern at the church in Texas, uh, we lived next to uh, uh, the second largest canyon in America, Powdery Canyon, and we wanted to film a video at sunrise in January. So a little bit of an issue here. We had to get up at 4 a.m., had to drive out to the canyon. Uh, we had to hike to a spot with like a good view. And we had to take the video, and it's in the middle of January, and it is freezing cold. 
And so we sit and we, we film the sunrise. It was great. And we're all like, free, you know, we've got those like hand warmer things. And we're like, we're bundled up. It is so cold. Like contrary to popular belief, it gets cold in Texas where I live. So we're, we're wrapping up. We get all our stuff packed up. And uh, we start walking. And we're like, anyone remember where we parked? It's kind of like, I thought you were in charge of that. I thought you were in charge of that. And we didn't know where we parked. And so, I mean, it feels like, su- it's not, but it feels like sub-zero temperatures. Our hands are freezing. Our lips are chapped. We're all tired because we had to wake up so early to go film the sunrise. Could have just bought something online, I'm sure, but no, we had to go film it. And no, so now we got all our camera equipment and all our stuff, all our coats, and we got to just wander around, freezing. Don't know where we parked, just walking around. And probably after about 10 minutes of walking and freezing and complaining, someone says, hey, didn't we park next to, like, a line of telephone poles? It's like, yeah, we did. So now we have a goal. We have a purpose. We have a a direction we can go. We're like, okay, look to the skies. Look for the telephone poles. Because if we can get to the road, we can find our car. And sure enough, we start walking, and we see the poles, and we get up to the car, and we're probably, like, a good like a thousand yards off our car is like way down there and so we got to walk all the way down the road we can get in the car we can warm up we can go home and go back to sleep and i think there's some truth in that story because in the same way i think we sometimes are spiritually wandering with no purpose with no direction it's freezing cold and we feel the weight uh, of all the things going on in our lives, all the anxieties, all the troubles, and we're, and we're like, I just don't, I don't even know where to go. I don't even know where to start. I thought that was your job. I thought that was your job. Where do I go? Where do I walk to? How do I get to relief? We long for something to tell us where to go, and the answer is so obvious, but we never seem to get it right. But when we sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching, and know him, truly know him, then we are able to, throughout our entire lives, look to the skies and say, hey, there's the pole. There's the signpost. There's the way we need to go. So every decision we need to make, every, uh, every priority in our lives, when we order our hearts, we know what is most important because we may be way over here wandering about something. Sorry, camera people. We may be way over here. We can always look up and we can see, but there's Jesus. I know his words, I know his teachings, I know him, so I can make the right decision. I can start moving towards him. It changes every way that we act, every action we take, every word, every thought we have, knowing where Jesus is, knowing where he stands, changes us for the better. Knowing Christ will always change us for the better. So, That's great, Ryan, awesome, really helpful, but how do we do this? You're forbidding me from action steps. You're saying, Ryan, it's not about work, about having a relationship, but how do I do that without work? It's a hard question to answer because we always want to respond by doing something. I want to do something. I want to do something more. I want to be better. I want to give you five questions that you can ask yourself preparing for the new year that can reveal one thing about how your heart is oriented towards God now and how you can start to change it uh, in the new year. They're not resolutions, they're not plans, but they are just ways to evaluate and start to grow the ways we think about knowing Christ going forward. 
So some of them may result in action steps, but they're not intended to be action steps. They're evaluations for our heart, for our focus, and for our relationship with Jesus. I stole these, I'm going to be honest, from uh, a, a professor at Southern Baptist, the, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, sorry, uh, named Dr. Donald Whitney. He's great. Um, so these are some of these questions. Uh, I would encourage you to write these down and, and think about them uh, as you prepare for this new year. One, how will you enjoy God this year? How will you enjoy God this year? So we don't make a habit of being around people that we don't enjoy, that we don't want to be around. Now, sometimes we have to work with people that we don't enjoy being around. I wasn't trying to cast a look or anything. It was kind of a joke, but I like being around Brent. He's fine. <laughs> he's, he's okay. He's, good. he's adequate. Is that a step up from fine, adequate? Tate said no. He's good. No one is good. There's not even one. Anyway, we got to move on. So how are you going to form a relationship with Jesus if you don't enjoy being around him? So think about how are you enjoying God? What aspects of God and your relationship to him brings you joy? How can you continue to press in to that aspect? What are, what are ways you can deepen that aspect uh, of your relationship? Is it through a spiritual discipline like reading your Bible or prayer or fasting or quiet time? Is it through corporate worship? Is it through serving? But recognize, know, this is the way I enjoy, to exp- I enjoy God. This is a piece of his character I enjoy. This is an action of his that I find joy in. How you enjoy God this year. Number two, what is the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? What is the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? One of the most amazing aspects of our relationship with God is prayer. The ability to enter into the throne room of God and make a request of the all-powerful creator of the universe, and he listens. He doesn't just say, yeah, whatever. No, he listens. So think long and hard on this question. What are you going to petition God for this year? Are you constraining the powers of God because of your own earthly expectations? Or are you going to ask God of amazing things? And notice this is not about God's answer. This isn't about God's response. This is about your posture to him. God, I trust you to do this impossible task. You trust him with big things. You trust him with small things. You trust him with everything. My parents often use this analogy with, with us, with, uh, with my brother and sister and I, and they say, we, got, we first got married and we had a doorknob that kept breaking. Kept breaking over and over and over again. My dad kept fixing it, kept fixing it, kept fixing it, it kept breaking. And they finally said, we're just going to pray that God fixes this doorknob. And, and they fixed it, and that was the last time they ever had to fix it. They prayed, and it was fixed, and they never had to fix it again. And so they, they tell us, kids, God cares about doorknobs. To say God cares about the little things, even when they seem impossible. So what is the most humanly impossible thing you'll ask God to do this year? Three, how will you strengthen your church this year? How will you strengthen your church this year? It's hard to be friends with someone and dislike or be disinterested in their spouse. The church is the bride of Christ. And so if you are to be in relationship with Jesus, then you must too seek the best for his bride. 
So how will you serve and help the church this year? How will you give? How will you, how will you come and, and serve? What are big ways that you can serve? What are quiet ways you can partner with the church and expand the kingdom? What are uh, ways we haven't even thought of, ways we aren't even engaging, people groups, ideas that we aren't even thinking of yet? What are, what are the things that you can bring to better the bride of Christ? We're blessed, church. We have a serving church. I look around this room and I see so many people that serve in so many good ways. But there are always needs inside our walls. There are always needs outside our walls. So ask yourself this question and take it seriously because by caring for the church, by caring for the bride of Christ, you will inevitably deepen your relationship with Jesus. That was number three. Number four, what about God do you want to understand this year? What about God do you want to understand this year? God is complex. His word is complex. But if we want to get to know him, then we must be, get to understand his word, to understand who he is. It's how he's revealed himself to us. So what do you want to know about God this year? What do you want to know about God? Maybe it's specific about his character or, or his person, or maybe it's about uh, how he's revealed himself in scripture. Maybe it's about the history of his people, the history of the church. But identify something you don't know or you don't understand and begin you can then begin to search for answers to your questions. You can get to know God in a new way, even a new light. There are tons of resources about, from podcasts to books, to everything, to learning about God and learning about his word. You can, use, you can use Brent. People come pepper him with questions all the time. He loves it. You can use the people around us. You can use a small group to grow your knowledge. Find that one thing you want to know and find out what it is. What do you want to know about God? What about God do you want to understand this year? Number five. This one's huge. This one's really crazy to think about. What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in eternity? Single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most. Every action we take is like taking a step wandering uh, in, in, in the cold, in the canyon. It's either going to take me further away from my car, or it's going to take me closer to my car. Just like that, every action we'll take will take us away from looking like Jesus, or it'll take us to looking more like Jesus. I know that God in his sovereignty has saved me from some good choices so that I could make better choices going forward. So think about your life over the next year. What are your big choices? And not big according to like the world, just big in eternity. It may be sharing the gospel with a friend or a coworker. That's small, that's one conversation, but in eternity it matters Vast, vastly more than we could ever imagine. Inviting someone to church. It may be about confessing a sin that has been plaguing your life for years and years to a trusted friend. It may be about uh, having kids or pursuing a job, adoption or, or getting married. These things have echoes into eternity. So don't come to them unprepared. You know you're going to have to make these decisions. So if you are resting at the feet of Jesus and sinking, seeking to know him, when you make these big decisions... You can trust in his sovereign hand as you navigate them because you're right there. You're with him. So those five questions, I think they will reveal things about our hearts and reveal paths forward for ways that we can have a deeper understanding and a deeper relationship with Christ. But lastly, I want to point to maybe, what is maybe the most encouraging verse, this is a bold claim, maybe the most encouraging verse in all of Scripture. Because we're all like Martha. We're all trying to work on ourselves. We're trying to work for others. We're trying to 
build our own kingdoms or we're trying to prove to God that uh, we're better or we're good enough for him. We're, we're anxious and we're troubled uh, above everything else. Um, we, only think about, we only think of success in, in terms of what we can do. We've got all these things plaguing our mind. We, we reflect on a year that was hard and confusing and, and divided, and, and we say, hey, we're going to make next year better. But what is the answer? What is the one thing that we need going into 2021? And it's this. Verse 42, but the sentence begins in 41. He says this. Jesus says this. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious, troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. There is only one thing in our lives that we need. There is only one thing that is necessary, and that is knowing Jesus. If we can fully embrace the truth of knowing Jesus, of sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching, we will have everything we need going into 2021. We can answer all of those questions uh, fully and, and honestly going into 2021 because we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, resting on everything that he said. Of all the complicated things in the Bible, all the questions we have, the things we don't understand, we can rest in verse 42 knowing that only one thing is necessary. Knowing Christ. So it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter the decisions you're making now. It doesn't matter who your friends are. It doesn't matter the relationships you've severed, the things you've posted and you regret, the things that you've said, the things that you've longed for that were wrong and were not according to God's will. None of those things matter because one thing is necessary. One thing only. Know Christ. Knowing Jesus is our only necessity, and it's, it's, it's that simple, honestly. Know Christ. Know him. Know who he is. Hear his word. Know him. Drink from the well that never runs dry, the spring of living water. It is yours. Drink. Know Christ. Because if you can do that, you won't be like me at 18 years old, sitting at Disney World, looking at a fake castle. But instead, you'll be staring into the face of the one true. Let's pray. Father, we want to work for you. We want to prove ourselves. Father God, we want to honor you. We want to worship you. But God, we confess that we do not always want to know you. God, you have grace upon grace upon grace for us. And you say, choose the better portion. You don't have to work. You don't have to do all the right things and say all the right things and think all the right things. Just know me. The rest will come. Seek me. You will find me. Knock, and the door will be open to you. We humble ourselves this morning. We come to you as ones who seek to prove our worth and know we never can. And we pray that as we enter a new year that you will refresh our hearts. You will remind us of this truth that we don't need to do anything else. We don't need to get our acts together. We don't need to get rid of all these bad things. We don't need to cut people out of our lives. We don't have to do any of that, God. We have to do one thing. 
Only one thing is necessary, and that is sitting at your feet, listening to your teaching, to know you, Father God, to know your Son. God, our hearts do not want to do this on their own, so God, give us your Spirit to move our hearts, to say, hey, you don't need that. Go this way. Look to Christ. Convict us, challenge us, renew us, refresh us. Father God, going into a new year, we can begin to know Christ more deeply than we ever have before. And we can begin to emulate Christ and look like Christ and act like Christ. So then we can make disciples who then know and seek and act like Christ and your kingdom will expand and flourish. Father God, if we seek first knowing you, you will be faithful. We will grow, your church will grow, your kingdom will grow. Father God, we know that your will is not beholden to our actions. We know it is only our responsibility to do one thing, that is know you. Help us to do that. In your son's name we pray. I'm gonna be down here, there's gonna be two men, they're right here, they're already up here. If you don't know Christ and you long to know him, come up here and speak to me. It's very simple, it's very easy to know Christ. So take that first step. If you need to pray about something, if you need to repent of something, if you need to take one action step and have someone hold you accountable, come up here. Know Christ, seek Christ in this new year. But if your response is an overflowing of joy and love and you just need to worship the King, then stand and sing and do that. Let's stand.